Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the full 40 with Chris and Willie, part of the Stay Tuned, uh, sorry, the Stay Tuned Network. Jesus, that was like a year <laughs> plus ago. Part of the Nova Insider Network. Um, it is uh, Monday. Sorry, I'm still lost as to what day it is of the week, but it's Monday, January 2nd at 8.20 p.m. We are recording this after... The UConn and Marquette losses and uh, 48 hours or so, or a little bit less than 48 hours or so before we um, tip off versus Georgetown and get to play the game of Georgetown roulette um, that everyone seems to have to be able to have to deal with. (laughs) Um, So, so with that all being said, uh, we wanted to get out um, a quick, ish podcast um now we might actually do one another one before xavier um i just have to see if i can um swing it with a um with a xavier uh with one of the xavier podcast guys so we'll 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 figure that out as as it goes um but for now we're going to cover the kind of the week that was um touch a little bit on georgetown and uh and and then go and then go from there so i guess like what I feel like from Christmas to New Year's, like <laughs> everything changed again for the Villanova program. Like, like we we had just gotten run off of winning five in a row, including our Big East home opener. We blew the doors off of St. John's, and we go into Christmas and feeling good about Villanova basketball and like heading the right direction. And then you know, right? Like anyone who knows college basketball period, understands that the UConn game is an all certainly going to be a loss, which is not, which we should not freak out over because that's just what you do. You're going to lose to the number two team at, on their home court. Um, And that number two team was also number one in Ken Palm and number one in every advanced metric. That's a team that you lose to. I don't care if we were number five in the country, we were going to lose that game. Okay. So like, that was my kind of take and i think that that was most people's take except the way the game played out we were actually kind of in it and so people got mad that we ended up losing which i feel like is just kind of like so counterintuitive it's like it's like oh we're we're a victim of our own of exceeding our own expectations and that we were in that game had it down to two points with three minutes left had it a two possession game under a minute and that was the up until they played at Xavier, which, by the way, you lose games on the road in in conference play versus ranked opponents. But like, like I felt like, hey, you know what? That was that that that's a pretty good result. Like to lose by eight at that point in time wasn't a terrible result. Am I calling it a moral victory? No, because we don't have time for moral victories this year. But no. but still. I don't. I didn't have a big takeaway from the UConn game. Our our net and our and our Ken Palm, the advanced metrics all showed continued improvement. No one in, on planet Earth, um, from like a committee or other standpoint, would have expected us to win that game. I think we showed out better than we would have expected, and so and so, 
that was kind of that game. And I didn't really, I gotta be honest with you. I didn't really think a whole lot of it. Um, I didn't think about it at all. Honestly, I was like, I, I watched a little bit of the game uh, and I looked at it. I saw the result. I didn't watch the end, but I saw the result and I was like, huh, that's actually like better. And I literally think I texted you guys too. Like, wow, that was actually better than I thought it was going to be. Like yeah. I had no problems with that game, like whatsoever. Yeah, it it was definitely, I like sneakily hoped we could pull out the win. I knew we would show, I, I expected us to w- lose by less than 10. Like that was my thing. I was like, I think we're actually going to show up and play well. We showed up and played well. Um, there was nothing during the UConn game. I wasn't pissed off. It was just kind of like, all right, like we're in here, we're hanging on, we have a lead. I was a little bit frustrated and where I knew we probably had lost it was we came out in the first, uh, second half. We jumped out to like a four point lead and I was like, okay, well, this is a little bit different. If we continue a run here, then maybe I'm having a different conversation with myself about my expectations for this game. UConn came back, figured it out and went on like an 11-2 run and then they basically controlled it from there. And I was like, all right, well, that was slightly annoying, but I don't expect perfection going to a game. We played 85% or great game, 15% not that good, but you have to play 99% versus UConn. You know, they're just they're especially exactly. especially yeah. at their place. Yeah, especially at home. Yeah. Yeah. And and on top of that, right, like like look, the the tur- the story of that game was the turnovers. Um, we were a mess with the basketball, inbounding the ball, they ratcheted yeah. up the pressure, and we were a freaking disaster. Um, and that was both on our veterans and our freshmen. Um, and it was and that's just like something that can't happen. Now, granted, give a lot of credit to UConn because I felt like they kind of were the ones who forced that issue. Yeah. They're super athletic. They're long. Um, they got they got very good hands, and so they disrupted all of our a lot of our action throughout the. Um, um, I'm not hearing a tapping, Willie. Sorry, Willie's Willie's pinging the chat okay. here. I am not hearing a tapping, but cool. if I, I could also be causing the tapping, so I don't know. Um, but that being I don't said. Like just being me thing. But but that being said, I didn't beyond the turnover bit, right? Like I didn't have a whole lot of takeaways there. I felt like okay, I generally feel okay about it. Like that was the game I knew we were gonna lose, like moving on to Marquette. Then we gotta talk about Marquette, right? That's <laughs> that that's the thing. Coming out of that game, we lost it. I, f- I actually felt good, and I was like, if we play like we played here, we should beat Marquette at home easily not and then go on a little bit of a run go go on a run that was the marquette game was the all right we we showed improvement versus uconn we played five straight games we've won five straight we showed improvement versus uconn hey we're not that bad we can go to the number two play team in the country hang with them have a chance to take the lead at like at the under four minute the under four cool build on that we built on that versus marquette for i would say a, a half maybe you know a half and like a little and change and then the last 12 yeah. minutes of that game happened so i kind of need to get context from you right like <laughs> i need context from you guys you guys watch the game so as as i made very clear on twitter it was my sister's wedding beautiful wedding i gave a great speech if i don't say so myself <laughs> um but but i was literally in the church for the first half on the party bus for the second half couldn't see what was going on um, so I don't have context for this game. 
I have context for social media because I had some downtime and was kind of kind of reading the notifications on social media. And I have a lot to say about that. Yeah, but <laughs> like Villanova Twitter and the Villanova fan base, I got we got talk, right? Like, yeah. but like, but like I need to have better context first of the game. So I so, really, Rachel, give me that context. I for anyone who doesn't know, I was the one tweeting on what is that Saturday, Sunday? I don't even remember. Saturday. Uh, Saturday. So I was the one tweeting on Saturday. And I really like the we started Cam, which I thought was in like a good a good update, a positive sign. Um, and so give me, so give me, so let's start there. So it was Cam. Did Armstrong fall out of the starting lineup? Armstrong fell out. Yeah, yeah. he fell Arch- out. Okay. But he came off the bench. Him and Briz- him and not Brizzy, sorry, on the mind, but R.I.P. Brizzy. Him and Longino came off the bench, and I actually thought they get that they gave us like really good energy and spark off the bench because Marquette and Shaka Smart are like obviously a very active team um they were playing really well on defense they basically locked Dixon down like Dixon didn't I don't remember the exact total because I'm not a metrics person and I wasn't looking at the box score but I don't think Dixon he maybe had 10 points like they really they really did a good job of locking Dixon down and even with that you know we go into halftime with a five-point lead um we played really well we played good defense to to you know Chris Arch's credit, like he wasn't a deficit on defense. Um, you know, Kyle Neptune seemed to be doing a bit of a off defense offense thing with him in Longino, which is kind of normally like how he treats Chris anyway. And the only thing that I think was a little strange in the first half and it continued for the rest of the game was like, it seemed like Kyle was using like three different guards, like three different guys to like bring up the ball um, throughout the game, which was interesting, but like, you know, you do what you got to do to win the game. So I didn't have a problem with it necessarily. Um, Cam and Longino were pretty, uh, and, and Mark were all pretty explosive in the first half. So like overall, the first half was, I felt good. I was like, oh, great. Like, this is going to be awesome. Like I was like, we actually were out rebounding them. We like out rebounded them. Like, 20 to 10 in the first half. So that was a really good sign too, right? Like we're out rebounding a fast Marquette team that likes to run. Like if we out rebound them, they can't get out in transition as much. And so like, we did a really good job of that too. Um, I think it's the second half where we came out of the second half and they kind of, you know, gave us their best punch, like, I think they went on like an 11 and something run or 11 and 0, 11 and two run, something like that coming out of the first half. Um, So they evened up the score and take the lead. And then it's really like the second half of the second half, like that last like 12, 10 to 12 minutes. That was like a little bit of a shit show. (laughs) Yeah. And in the sense that for some reason with like seven, eight minutes left, Kyle Neptune takes out, Cam and Cape takes out Mark Armstrong, who are really the only two like explosive players we had on the court, like creating offense on their own. We got into that weird ISO ball thing that we like to do when we're like, we don't know what to do and we're trying to get the lead back. And then Kyle never put Cam or Mark back in, like until there was like 30 seconds left in the game and we basically had no chance to win. So that was the that was the part where I was like, what like 
what was that? But the refs also, it was like a very low foul game. They did, they let them play. They didn't call out a foul. So like maybe there just wasn't an opportunity outside of taking a timeout and subbing somebody in. I'm not sure about that. (laughs) But like, like I'm saying maybe, like, I'm not saying there wasn't, I'm saying maybe, but like overall it was really that last like seven, eight minutes where I was like, why didn't we put them back in? Like, where are the guys that were scoring? Like put the guys who were putting the ball in the hoop and making baskets. It's like in the game, name of the game, like put them back in the game. Like, why are they sitting on the bench? But you know, I don't know. I'm not Kyle. So I don't know if Willie wants to weigh in on that too, but I, like, that was my biggest question mark was like, what are we doing that last seven, eight minutes? Like why were those decisions made? Yeah. I, when I like think about it overall, I, I mean, I we, Rachel did just did a great job of breaking it down to kind of the four quarters of the game. That first quarter of the game, that first 10 minutes is cam. The, the impact of cam starting was very visible immediately. Cam was comfortable. The team was comfortable. We looked better. We flowed better. Offense was moving a little bit better. It's been interesting. We're, I think, a top you know 20 offense on Ken Palm. If you watch us, it doesn't feel like it. At any point during the year, does it feel no. like we look like a top 20 offense? No, it doesn't. But but for a while, I thought, oh, that's just last year's offense data coming in. But now 14 games it's in. Still, it's, it's, we're just that good of an offense still, even though yeah, it doesn't make sense. Because we're just slow tempo, but we yeah. score – more we score we score efficiently there yeah. um and so if but to get to the point of the la the first 10 minutes it felt a little bit more fluid there was a couple plays where you know mark was able to wiggle his way into the lane dump it off to cam cam made his first basket or like his first dunk on a cut where um he was being a player uh, i forget who it was overplaying a little bit and was playing a little bit closer to caleb cam cut back door Caleb hit him. It was like the first time that I was like, oh, this offense is like moving and passing the ball crisply. There was, yeah. And there was also a really good play. Like it was like the first like five minutes of the game where it was like pass, 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 inside lane pass where we don't normally do. Like we stretch the floor out and then collapse back in where I feel like normally we like we like pass it in, collapse the defense in and then kick out. And it was like the opposite of what we do. It was like Dixon to Cam to Mark. And it was like so clean, so pretty, so fast. Um, Like, and I like, that's the point at which I was like, okay, like that's like, I looked at that. I was like Villanova basketball. Like, thank you guys. Like we're, we're getting it. We got it. Um, And so it looked, that's where it looked good. And I was like happy about that. The second half of the second of the first half was, I feel it's just good basketball, but getting to the main point of the issue here being that the second half of the second half, the last 10 minutes, that's where, I mean, Cam goes to the bench, Mark goes to the bench and we got back, we fell back into our old habits of ISO ball or where Dixon's trying to back down. If Dixon can't back down, he holds it too long. We give it to Caleb and Caleb crosses over, pulls a, pulls a three. If he's making it fantastic. He wasn't particularly, he was like three for nine. He wasn't particularly like on, but we had a lot of that. And the offense just became stale and uninspired. And like the issue was there was no one on the floor who could remedy that. And the issue was we had the people who could remedy that on the bench, which are the two freshmen. And this is probably the first game that I will put directly on the head of Kyle Neptune. I think every other game, there's other issues. Cam wasn't in. UConn, we were on the road. Um, the, and it was UConn. Right? Yeah, and it's yeah, UConn, yeah. yeah. And the PK-85. Like, it's a, it was a whole mess. 
there's a lot of blame. There's all blame to be shared everywhere, all around. I don't coming out of this Marquette game. There was nothing wrong with any player that I felt made a wrong decision. It wasn't like anybody played particularly bad. It was a good. It, we played well enough to win. We just didn't execute, and that wasn't from like a oh we're not executing our game plan. It was frankly our game plan was I think misaligned, and that starts at Kyle. I'm sure assistant coaches also have a lot of blame on that, but Kyle's the one with the paycheck that's saying he's the head coach yep. of the Illinois men's basketball team. I yep. put it on Kyle. The, the other weird thing that I can't, like I'm still thinking about too, to add even more context, like the other weird thing was there were several trips down in a row in the second half. Like, like I'm thinking like four or five plays in a row, I think, where we – Pass, pass, pass that got really late in a shot clock. Like to Marquette's credit, they were playing good defense. Like they, they played the kind of defense we were playing in the first half. And they played the kind of defense that like we needed to continue to play if we wanted to win this game, which we knew was going to be a little closer than we'd like it to be. But we would get late in a shot clock. And then we would, I don't know if people are just like, we don't know what to do. So we're just going to pass it back out to Eric. Cause he's just kind of like floating at the top of the th- top of the three point line. But Dixon would take these shots that were clearly out of his range. Like he's like three, four steps back from the three point line. I didn't understand why he didn't just like every shot he took, like was short and it would just bounce off the front of the rim. I'm like, why don't you just dribble one step and get a little closer? Like, it's not a point of pride. You're not fucking Steph Curry, excuse my language, but like, you're not Steph. You're never going to be Steph. That's not the kind of player you are. So like, why not step a little closer? And I don't know if it's because he was trying to get like a, like, get hot from further away so that they didn't like they he could like draw the defense back out a little bit but it whatever it was doing it wasn't working and I'm like why are we why do we did it like three four times in a row and I was like this can't be our plan like this can't be the the play that Kyle keeps drawing up because if it is like it's not working and like they need to fix it part of the thing though is that right like so okay so one of the weird things about Villanova basketball relative to a lot of college basketball teams, right. Is the fact that we don't really run a ton of plays, right? Like we don't, it's all principles based. It's driving kick. It's, it's just like, just constant action. Like the guys kind of invent as they go. It's one of the reasons why, even though we play a slow pace that good offensive players like playing in our system is because we don't make them get, have a dizzying amount of plays from an offensive standpoint. So like, I doubt Kyle's calling the plays, so to speak, but he's also not putting, but what I'm gathering is, is that the personnel that he's put on the floor and the general instruction that he's given the team is, was just off from where we needed to be in order to go down that stretch and win that game at home. But like the thing that kills me about this game, right? Like losing the Marquette by two, in a vacuum is this Marquette team blew the fuck out of Baylor, right? Like has probably the second or third best resume in the big East conference. Like they're safely going to make the tournament as of, as we sit here right now, right? Like there's no shame in losing to Marquette, right? Like, but losing to Marquette at home in a game in which we had a lead decently into the game, right? Is the problem here. Like, so like help me, understand kind of like what is the 
like what what precisely did Kyle fuck up? Right? Like, and I'm not I, I buy that he fucked up. I'm just saying, like, what precisely did he do? Or didn't it, he do? It it's rotation management, which yep. in a in a vacuum, I have no issue with the way the minutes broke down in a vacuum. But Cam did not play down the stretch. Mark did not play down the stretch. The offense got stagnant. Maybe there wasn't a chance to put people in, but that's on you to manage that. This time, if I'm not mistaken, we actually had the timeouts. I'm like at the end of the year. Yeah, we had we had two we had two timeouts with like a few minutes, like just a couple minutes left. So we had the opportunity to do this, and I understand of trusting your guys and letting the people that you trust like know how it works. But if Kyle can take a step back, you started Cam because he'd earned that spot. We had seen that he has earned that starting spot. We know that it's most important to finish games. Why wasn't the person who you'd given a start to finishing that game? Like that just doesn't logically doesn't make sense to me that if you're willing to trust Cam to start, why isn't he in your finishing lineup? Those are the guys that you go with. I'll but- also say that the lack of rotate, the lack of rotation late in the game, our guys definitely were tired. Like I think we ran out of gas a little bit because we weren't, subbing people in yeah for seven eight minutes and marquette was running marquette was like they got into a transition game we couldn't keep up with them on the defensive end because we were tired because we weren't subbing in fresh guys who had been on the bench for a few minutes and not to mention outside of the fact that those were the guys that were creating the offense to begin with right like i think that it was really I I think that was the mistake was like not putting, I know they're freshmen. I know Villanova doesn't trust freshmen. I know Jay, like maybe Kyle listened back to the audio of Jay's rant about freshmen when he called our game. I don't know. And maybe Kyle felt bad about himself or second guess, but like, I, I also think it's a little hard for Kyle coming in as a new guy to build trust with players if you're like, hey, I'm going to give you this start, but the second you do anything I don't like, and I don't even know what that was because I thought Cam and Mark both played really well. I don't like, think Cam did anything solid. wrong. I no, mean, I don't think – but, like, I think he just took them out and then for whatever reason, like, forgot – it's, like, almost like he forgot to put them back in, and then it was, like, too late, and putting them in for 30 seconds wasn't going to do anything. And so we ended up having Dixon taken off, off balance, you know, yeah. last-minute jump shot. And that gets that, to my number two with Kyle. It's the late game play. The late I don't game play has been we, problematic because if you actually look at the, sorry, I'm just pause, pausing here for a moment. Yeah. If you look at it, like we lost close to Michigan State, we lost close to Iowa State, we lost close to Oregon. Um, what to Oregon. or Oregon? Yeah, we lost close to um, UConn. We lost close to to, to Marquette. Uh, we lost close to Temple. Right, like late game execution has been has been a massive issue. So like I do get right. Like the criticism to a degree, and I want to get into that more broadly later on, but like I do get to, to a degree, the, the, the criticism of the coaching staff, because a lot of times late game execution is coming out of a timeout, coming out of a sub, coming off a free throw or whatever, where there should be sets. There should be an understanding of like, what are we trying to do defensively? What are the key things? What are the three reminders that you got to send out with your team on defense? Like grab that rebound, box out. Like, you know, it sounds like basic shit, but like stuff that you got to make sure that you remind your guys, right? And and that shows out when you have a, a well-coached team. And then on offense, right? Like a competent play that like 
gets a good look. That look doesn't necessarily need to go down, right? But like has to set up a good look. And, and none of them have haven't been done good that. looks. Yeah, none yeah. of them have been good looks. And it's been, and I don't think this is a, I'm not saying Dixon shouldn't be the person to take the shot. I think it's interesting that in every scenario, I think Daniels took, no, Dixon took it. In every scenario, it is, we're setting up Dixon to do anything but what he's, the where he has the biggest advantage in the play, in the paint. We're asking him in the Michigan State game to take a fadeaway three to win the game. We asked that, we asked, Temple was, oh, Temple was another loss, close one that we lost. Temple, I almost gave a pass to because Caleb was at the rim. His legs were being held down and he just missed. This game versus um, Marquette, it was a give it to Dixon with about nine seconds left. He tried to back up. His, he tried to back his man, which is the right thing to do. He tried to post up and get into the post. And then, and maybe this is a Dixon thing, maybe, but I don't, there was no, nothing else with, nothing else was happening outside of it. It was Dixon, figure it out. Dixon turned around, took a fadeaway shot that, you know, Patrick, you can say, you know, do you practice that shot? when that that classic clip that's that's the shot that he took um and i'm not blaming dixon on anything for that like i but it wasn't that great of a look bounces around we, we don't get it again i just feel like there's and this might be kyle being green behind the ears is there's the late game execution and there's the offense setting up the team to where it goes or where, where it needs to be we can give kyle the excuse of being green around the ears and that makes complete sense long term but we are halfway through this season. Yeah. And right. that's the larger issue is like, I get, keep a long-term view, but in a long-term view, our goal isn't like, well, let's just miss this season. No, what we, or let's just miss the tournament this season. Like our goal should still be somehow to get into the tournament. And with every loss that comes due to a lack of execution, to someone being hurt, to someone X, Y, and Z, our road gets that much tougher. And like, we can talk about this a little bit, a little bit later, but we need to win our next six games realistically to have a, a realistic shot of making the tournament. And I, that's just what it is. Yeah. And yeah. So, right. So let's talk, let's, let's get into this a little bit. So there's a couple other, one other point that I want to raise um, because this is kind of what I feel like stacked on. There was like three key things of bad news this week. We hit the mark, we hit the Yukon loss. We hit the, um, we hit the Marquette loss, right? Like, and then we learned that Angelo Brizzy was transferring, right? So yeah. like, and now again, candidly, this is not to me a unhealthy program thing to have happen, right? Like we saw transfers out all the time in the Jay Wright era, right? Like, right. This kid was a, hey, look, he bought into the program. He redshirted what realistically was a three-star recruit and even without Justin Moore in this lineup, um, which we learned Justin Moore is now in full contact drills um, and, you know, pretty much a full participant in practice at this point, right? Like we are, we now are in a situation where it's like, if you didn't see, if you couldn't see the floor yet, yeah. There is nothing that's going to happen now that's going to make him see the floor. Yeah. Right. And oh, by the way, Justin Moore, Jordan Longino, um, Chris Archidiacono, and Mark Armstrong are all back next season in theory. Right. Moore might be gone from whatever, but like from a eligibility standpoint, all and of Hausen. them and Hausen are 
all back next year, right? So like, I, I just feel like Brizzy kind of fell a little bit victim of kind of having the same skills as everybody else or as one other person else and just doing all of it a little bit worse than everybody. And that's not really a, a, a hate on the kid or a slam on the kid, but to his, to his point, he said, okay, I don't really feel like I'm going to be able to get on the floor here. Let me move on. The guys on the team had positive things to say about him. Yeah. Um, he just decided to to move on to go to a place where he felt like he could play more basketball. And and if you don't feel like, and here's the thing, like if you don't feel like you have a potential pro career ahead of you, maybe like deep Europe or whatever, but like if you don't feel like you have a pro career ahead of you and you're just sitting there and you're just like, I want to play basketball because I got like three years left of this, right? Yeah. Like in my life. And then I have to be a real person, right? Like, and not to say that athletes aren't real people, but you get my point is that they have to go work some nine to five fucking shit job. Like all of us do. And like, and like, that's going to be my life. So I want to play college basketball and actually really play. Right. So, so I get that. Yeah. Right. But there was an attitude in the fan base that this is, and we got to really hit on this point because this we're, we're back at the Chris Archie Diacono conversation again. And I feel like we've moved past that as a Time podcast. Is a flat and, circle. That's and, it. Yes. And, but yet we can't get ourselves away from this. So this is like the root cause of like, of like everyone's problem with Neptune and, and, and everything is that I'm getting notifications left and right on Twitter. People are hitting me up, whatever, of being like, Kyle Neptune playing Chris R.G. Diacono is the reason Angelo Brizzy left. And I'm like, well, maybe. But like, then someone had the, since someone in a reply to me had like the actual like um, presence of mind to say, uh, maybe it's on Brizzy because he couldn't beat Chris R.G. Diacono out for the spot. And I'm like, yeah, maybe it's that, right? Like, 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 like maybe when the people who are in the coaching staff who have been around this for a very long time and are specifically good at the guard thing, right? Like are looking at it and saying, this guy can't get in the rotation that, that maybe that's a sign that, that like he wouldn't crack it. Like, I don't know. I don't know. To me, I'm just looking at that and saying like, yeah, sometimes it happens in a program. Like you, like, you're just going to have a guy who I didn't say get recruited over, but like Armstrong came in, Justin Moore was obviously going to stay. And Chris Archie Diacono has continued to improve his game. And, and so, and, and then Hausen has a, Hausen has a irreplaceable skill in that he on a team doesn't shoot particularly well is an excellent shooter and we got to talk about why his minutes have been reduced of late but like but that's like neither here nor there story but like there's no place like it was just no no place place. there was no place so and and we've already seen i mean this happens as the year goes on kyle dropped the rotation to seven by like oklahoma like by the oklahoma game we're already playing like seven people Hausen's the eighth fringe person right now who when more comes back we probably will only see in like literally spot of three situations but there's no place Trey hasn't seen the floor since I don't know Oregon like he, yeah, he, he I, hasn't I, seen the floor Not that's a, one that's that to me is a bigger question mark than Brizzy you know what yes. I mean like that to me is like like 
So that like, I don't know if that's a function of like Jay just not, you know, being kind of checked out by the end of last year because he knew he was going to retire and like just did nothing to develop the kid or like if he just really doesn't fit the system. Like does like, like I don't want to say I, anything. I, I, I don't want to say does he have a bad attitude because like I don't know the guy, so I'm not going to assume that you know. No. But like you know, I'm not going to assume the worst there. They don't. At all. Yeah. I don't no. think it's like a, I don't think it's like a JQ I, situation at all either. So you know, I just. Look, that I have more questions about than anything. I would argue that both players are a threat to transfer based on their inability to play on the, like to actually get playing time. Like, but the one thing, and I have enough inside ties, not a lot, but like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm getting inside info on yeah. this podcast all the time. Chris is I, have enough, I, have, I have enough people who can get in, who could share some noise to, to know that Patterson and Njoku are like model citizens in the Villanova basketball yeah. program. Yeah. I've, so, I've got a pretty direct line and nothing yeah. good. And, and if yeah. they weren't like, that's the first thing that would get leaked out too. Yeah, you know completely. what I mean? It's yeah. like, like the, and you would see it because they would be doing stuff on social and they would be saying things that they shouldn't. And they would be like, we've seen it before. So like, you would know, yeah. right? Like you would know. So I saw this thread and I want to just kind of like pivot to this, just to talk about college basketball as a whole. Um, it was a thread and it was by a former player, college basketball player, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but in, it was on Twitter and he tweeted that like college basketball is hard and it is tough. There are on any given team, it doesn't matter what your level is, it gets down to about eight players play. That's just what it is. And of those eight players, maybe two are only truly happy with what their role is and where they feel on the team. Other ones under, there might be, you know, your seventh man might understand it's a grind and eventually we'll get there. But there are eight players that play. Every team in the country has at least 11 scholarship players. I would say 10 to 11 scholarship players. So there are two to three players who have received a scholarship from the school. So who are in theory are a division one basketball level basketball player who just aren't seeing the court. That's what happens in college basketball. It's a tough, it's a tough game to play. There's not enough minutes to go around to give a, a full line of 10, have, uh, have like use them and use them properly. We've seen like only super special teams or like bad teams be able to go 10 deep. Kentucky was able to go to 10 deep because of the platoon system. But even in their platooning days, like it got down to like eight when they really, when it got really, really got tough for them. And so what we have to look at is like take a step back and just as human beings recognize that like yo like you said brizzy just wants to play basketball and it doesn't look like it's happening here and if brizzy has any shot of getting to the nba it's not going to be doing jump stops in villanova practices and then not being able to figure out and make mistakes on the fly we've already seen that west virginia already reached out to brizzy there's high there's going to be high major interest to him he's going to go play at some school and maybe he'll be great. Maybe he'll be just a role player. Maybe he'll like fall flat on his face, but he's going to go play someplace else. That's going there. Are other P places are going to want him and the ability and to get have, on the He'll floor, have a better shot. Yeah. yeah and he'll, he'll have, have a better shot. shot. Just like at the end of the, at the end of the day, Cole Swider's on the Lakers. Cause he went to Syracuse, not because he was, he was at Villanova, but it's, it's so because he had a chance fight. to show other stuff. We can say everything that we want to say about Cole Swider and his Villanova career, but he went to Syracuse and that's why he's in the NBA right now not because he went to Villanova that's right well and the other thing too is like you like the way you just described it literally like I think about it and I go okay I was at the company shall remain nameless but I hated my last job I honestly sometimes think it was a mistake to even accept the job 
Right. And so it's like, it's the same thing. I, when I, I played softball, nowhere near as like high, like I was close to playing at Villanova, but like I went through the recruiting process. So like, that's the extent of my knowledge of like NCAA athletics. But in all of those, all of those times I met a coach, the coach would say, we have a starting nine. Right. And like, sure. That changes a little bit if you're a pitcher, because like that you can rotate pitchers a little more frequently that, but like, if you're catching for a game, the likelihood that you get taken out, and that was my position, likelihood you get taken out and like replaced with another player mid game is slim to none. Yeah. Unless you're like a specialist for a specific situation. But the overall point is like every one of these coaches described college athletics to me as a job. They're like, this isn't like your rec league. I want to play and have fun and make friends. Like this is, I work, you work your butt off every single day and it may not even get you where you want to go. And a lot of people, like, if you're unhappy at a job, what do you do? You look for another job. And to be honest, yes. Is it different now in college athletics because of the transfer portal? A hundred percent. Because of NIL and what schools are able to help their students do while they're at those schools? A hundred percent. And that's a whole extra, like, layer. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be committing, these guys basically commit probably, like, 80 hours a week to college basketball and if mm-hmm. you're going to commit that much time and effort like you want to be even if it's you're not no one's ever going to be happy 100 of the time but you want to have enough moments of happiness and like enjoying the experience so that it outweighs you know the the, the grind but you also want to have enough experience on the court you want to get enough value out of that time to like set yourself up for success whatever that is you want to do yeah Right. And so like, I just look at it as like these players, this is a job. People think it's like all fun and games and like, yeah, to us it is. Cause we're on the outside, like drinking beer and like yelling at the TV, these guys work, like they work. And I feel like a lot of times, like that gets lost along with the fact that like they're kids for the most yeah. part. Yeah. If we so- expect so much from 17 to 22 year olds for the most part. And it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. So, so, so I I do want to focus on the context though, because the context of the transfer and the context of the UConn loss and the Marquette loss, the, 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 the The three bad things, the the three bad things, if you will, was Neptune, right? Like, and people being like, like, man, I gotta tell you, man, like, and I realize that I have some people who are just absolutely fucking insane who I interact with or, or, or that, or that, or that show up in the mentions or whatever. And like, and like, I'm comfortable with that. I know that Twitter isn't real life, but like at the same time, like, man, the, the, the interactions of the fan base were, were pretty, were pretty ugly, right? Like, right. Like, yeah, I, I get to log off like pretty quickly after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and and I think we just need to get into that a little bit because I'm just like again we talked about the Neptune thing after the two and five start right like and I feel like we're gonna we're gonna, we're five and two since then um, with 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 the two losses not terrible not being actually terrible losses from like a from a real standpoint but to your point Willie the the sun is setting on this season very quickly <laughs> and so and so and so I think that if you told me after the Oregon game that we go five and two in our next seven and finish 2022 at seven and seven, I probably would have signed up for it then. 
Yeah. Um, because I would have been like, okay, that probably puts us in a position to be in position. And so that's where we are. Yeah. Right. At the same time, at the same time, we really should have been eight and six. Right. Like <laughs> we really needed to be eight and six. Um, and so the Marquette loss at home in particular was just rough. So let's talk about the Kyle thing. Let's let's actually have this conversation. I, and and it's going to be a little bit of a repeat of last conversation, at least from my end. But like we now have seven more games of context on Kyle. I can say so far, with like with 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 a with with firm with a pretty firm belief that Kyle Neptune is uh, not the last 10 years of Jay Wright. But like, but like, I think we can all agree with that. Right. Like, and I think, and I think that if you expected that, that was kind of foolish. Now I did think as a fan that like from a culture and personnel standpoint and talent standpoint, that there should be enough bullets on this roster to still be really good and almost lift the coach in a, in the same way that um, that the 13 and 14 UConn teams lifted Kevin Ollie um, in those things. Like, and not to say that Kyle Neptune is as bad a coach as we learned Kevin Ollie would end up being, but that just like, I just felt like Kyle Neptune would at the very, at the very bare minimum, we would be walking away from the first two years of Kyle's, of Kyle's tenure being like, okay, we're still kind of there. Right. Like, and so, and I feel like I'm kind of, that was kind of what was in the head of a lot of the fan base, right? Like, and so starting this season seven and seven is like a massive letdown. Right. So the Kyle thing is definitely like, and based on the context of this game, having not watched it based on some of the personnel moves, Etc. The transfer, which I don't really, I write that off a little bit, but like the recruiting, which is definitely a concern for a lot of folks, and 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 starting to get me included there, like that is something where I'm like, okay, like people are looking, like, is this the recipe of an absolute disaster? Like, are we on the Georgetown path? And like, and like, and I feel like there is a lot of consternation in the fan base. Being like, being like, oh no, we can't go there. Like, so, so like this guy isn't it. Blah, 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 blah. It's still too early to make that call, guys. Like, 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 sorry, like halfway, not even into a season is too early to make that decision. Right. Like, and so, and Kyle was a green head coach when he was hired. And because he was green, he is going to have runway in this program and stop thinking that Villanova I, I realize that we've picked up a lot of fans not we as the podcast maybe a little bit but like we as Villanova the brand's the grown yeah yeah yes. have picked up a lot of fans who are not maybe not like as familiar with years and years of Villanova basketball and uh and our whatever so there's a lot maybe like of like duke fans like in a, in, in a similar sense like kind of like guys who have rode the bandwagon for the last 10 years by the way i love bandwagon fans you're welcome aboard all the time right like 100 percent. but like villanova is still a 6500 student small catholic school outside of philadelphia now the expectations for the basketball game the, the basketball program have raised 
dramatically, as have the facilities and everything that's come with it. Um, and the banners and whatever would would certainly lead you to believe that. And but but the but the way the administration, the way the 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 school runs, right? Like like if you know the people, right? And this has been true forever, is is that the school is going to hire someone that they're comfortable with, right? So absent a scandal of some sort that is that is really ugly, right? You're going to have to get used to the fact that Kyle Neptune is going to be the coach for years, right? Like, like, and so I want to like, like, I just at least three, at least three. Years. I would say at least three. Now, granted, that doesn't mean you can't criticize him. That doesn't mean you can't criticize him and like blame him for a loss, which it seems to me that it is granted didn't watch, but like seems to me that it is a one shot at this right my attitude towards that is if he's getting 90 percent of it roughly start the kid right like like start the kid right so i'm on board with the personnel frustrations right like i would i'm even on record of saying like look i think chris archidiacono has improved a ton i think he's earned his his um i think he's earned his minutes to a large degree I still would prefer seeing more Mark, right? Like I still would prefer seeing more Housen because I think that that is good for the long-term outlook of this team and program. And I and I do find it a little bit frustrating at times when we have to play four and five on offense. I get those criticisms. I don't think that's Kyle's fault. I think Kyle is dealing with a, a fucked up hand that he had to deal with with Justin Moore being out. Now that problem should be resolved relatively soon and we can get into that but like all i'm saying is this criticize away you want to be like this one's on fucking kyle blah 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 i'm so frustrated like he better get his act together blah, blah, blah. all that stuff say all that stuff i'm on board right but like the idea that like you're gonna just go on and rip tweets off on twitter being like neptune sucks this guy ain't it this guy is fucking terrible like guys like again we've gone over this but like there have there were there were dozens of instances in the Jay Wright tenure when 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 that comment was made, right? And all those people looked foolish. Fourteen games in, asking for the coach's head, it's not only it's 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 stupid, but not only stupid, it's pointless, right? Like so, so I just can't. I got to address that because it's just so it's so juvenile in, in terms of the fan base. Like, and I hate to say that because like our, our name for this podcast is like the fans take on Villanova basketball. Like, like, but like it, it's just like guys, like just level set here. Right. Like, we're this is not a reasonable this. expectation for our fan base. Like Villanova is right. not going, we're not a fast moving institution. We're not just going to be like, Oh, 14 games are only seven and seven. Kyle's gone. Baker Dunleavy, you're up next. Whoever. And if you're Take frustrated by, and if you're frustrated by that, like I, I got news for you, like this is just the like, and you're not used to that, like this is just the school that you've chosen to either attend or root for, right? Like, and that is 
what we do, right? Like I can't, and it's worked more than it hasn't. So I, 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 I hate to rehash that point, but like, again, we're getting these, I'm getting all these tweets being like, this guy's got to get fired, fire Neptune, hire Rick Pitino. Like, fuck, guys, we're never going to fucking hire Rick Pitino. It's not going to happen. Right? Like, like, this is the thing that like, I, I have to just, I, I got to ask everyone to pause and take a deep breath here. A, if this season's lost, still going to have to take a deep breath. But B, I'm not ready to jump off the train yet. So, so, so yeah. I, it's not, I'm not going to be devil's advocate because I 100% agree with you. But there's three things I, w- I want to call out. One, this is for anyone who thinks about us going down the Georgetown path. We will not be going down that path because there's institutional support for basketball. I don't know if you mentioned that. My computer froze for a bit. But institutionally, there's support for basketball. It will, even if there's a down year, will come back, whether it's three years or whatever it looks like. There's just support for basketball. I think the thing that's frustrating to, or not even frustrating, but like what I what I've heard before the season and what I'm seeing now was is super interesting. I felt like a lot, like you said, you talked about the UConn team from 13-14 being the rising tide that lifted Kevin Ollie up. People expected that yes. for Kyle this year. Yes. And so with that, you I think people were expecting that you weren't going to see how green he was because the team was going to be that good now there's reasons why our team isn't doing that right now the more injury whitmore being hurt if whitmore's back we don't lose the temple we don't lose we probably beat michigan state and like let's say we take the oregon game i know that's not how it would work out but we're looking we're sitting here and we're 10 and 4 and it's a different conversation that holds i i get that so what i think that people are I don't know if they even recognize it is they're frustrated because they're seeing how green Kyle is way before they thought they were going to see, recognize it. People expected, I always heard the, the thing that people are going to judge Kyle on mostly is year three after he's had a couple of times, had a, had a few cycles. And I think it's because they expected the team that we had is just going to keep running and running and Kyle will be fine. It'll be a lifting tide. And then Kyle should be able to go in. That's not the case. This no. team isn't there yet. And so we're seeing how the warts in Kyle's coaching because he's just like, it's game 14. It's game, honestly, from doing the math right, it's game 50 or 46 of his career. Fordham went 16 and 16. So it's, he's played, he's coached 46, yeah, 32 plus 14, um, 46 games in his career up to this point. That's actually exactly 500, which is hilarious. Um, But I think people are just recognizing and seeing that the warts that Kyle had two years prior or two years earlier than they thought they were going to go, they were going to be able to see them. And I think what's frustrating is we're seeing these warts and we're like, Oh, it's not like, and maybe this is what it is to be a young coach. It's not necessarily like I have a bad offensive scheme or I have a bad defensive scheme. Like there's nothing wrong scheme wise. It's in those key moments not knowing when to take take control or knowing how to put your best players in the best position to win. We mm-hmm. still haven't used Cam in his best in the best way possible. We are we are and it might just but, be Kyle has no idea how to use Cam. It might sure. be sure. Counterpoint though, we have assistant coaches, right? And so like this is my one question though. If if Villanova was such a strong ship and maybe Jay just did way more and like those guys are really just like ornaments on the side that just kind of like hand out towels and yell at people once in a while and like slap guys on the ass when they do something good right like 
maybe they're more like decorative than we actually thought. I don't think that's the case, but like, that's my only thing too, is like the other thought process when Kyle got hired was, Oh, great. None of the assistant coaches left, none of them left. And so we assumed that I think as a fan base, maybe incorrectly, right. And like, nobody likes to admit when they're wrong. And I think that's a, that's a big piece of this, right? Like we assumed, okay. And I know this is true of myself. So I was like, I saw the whole thing go down with Jay retiring, the disorganization, the timelines that didn't line up. Kyle gets hired. He's installed. Like shortly thereafter, all the head coaches stay, all the recruits stay. So we kind of like convinced ourselves that like it was going to be okay and not be okay. Like eh, the season is just going to be okay, but like, okay. By Villanova standards, which means like, we're still probably going to like, win either the Big East regular season or the Big East tournament, right? Like we're going to go off on a run and, you know, it's going to be, you know, we're only going to lose a couple games total in the season. Like, okay. By Villanova standards is also just like a different, it's different. Yeah. It's not we expected it to be the 2019 right. season where we lost to Purdue in the uh, second round. That's what I felt yeah. like yeah. people expected. And, and so I think that, And it's funny because like, that's kind of what I thought. And then like, as I went through the summer and as like time went on and like, we got like more peaks at the team, I looked around and I was like, I am going to actually like level set with myself and like take my expectations from like here. They're not on the floor, but they're significantly lower for this team. Right. Like you look around with the Justin Moore injury. Then we found out Cam was hurt. Then we, you know, we had it, we had injuries. Like you said, like, I just think that a lot of people, are expecting a Jay Wright caliber coaching from a guy who, like you said, has literally only coached 50 games as a head coach total, 46 games total. And like, he did a good job at Fordham, but the competition at Fordham isn't the competition in the big East. It's not an apples to apples comparison, right? Like, we had, and especially at the coaching level, right? Like, right. like exactly, like, exactly. The guys drawing up plays, the guys with the clipboards on the other side of the court are, are not are the guys who are in the big East. A hundred percent. And so like all of that goes into your evaluation of what this first year is going to look like. And I think a lot of people, like I said, I'm not saying like everybody's wrong and you know, like how terrible of you to be wrong, but like we were mistaken. We were mistaken in our evaluation of, and this is, again, as fans who have really no inside knowledge of the program, other than like we all like a lot of us went to school there and like kind of know how the program runs. and Like maybe we have some friends here and there, but like none of us are like insiders. So we're all forming these opinions based on the information that was being given. And to be honest, Villanova didn't give a lot of information either. So right. like that's the other thing that we like, like, I think that there's also some like residual like upsetness or like anger or frustration with like how the whole thing played out with Jay to begin with that's being now directed at Kyle. Cause Jay's not here anymore. Like you can't be mad at somebody who's not here anymore. Who's like, cause to be honest, like we talked about this on the last podcast, like the development clearly we didn't think it was an issue because we just kept winning, but the development of players was like definitely somewhat of an issue right. in well, Jay's yeah. like last year or two. The, so, the Nana, we we touched on the Trey Patterson Nana, and Joker thing already. Right, like the fact that, that and that's like a prime example. Cannot see the floor. And by Even the way, spot like if, and, and if they had software. developed, it'd be spot situations where it's like, oh, we have UConn. We have someone. We need to throw someone on a, a Sonogo. Nana can give us five to eight minutes. 
the, the, Klingon even more than Zenogo, right? Yeah. Like, because Dixon has Zenogo's number. Right? Yeah. So, the, but if, it's just the fact that we're seeing, and like we use Trey in that spot situation, like we, the backup wing situation for the first five games, but it was clear that's only because Cam wasn't playing, not because they yeah. felt that Trey was supposed to be in that spot. Yep. I just, I look at it like from top to bottom and I think we're just, we're seeing the warts way earlier than we thought we would see them. That's just my, that's my full. I would word. actually, I would rather it that way though. And that's, and that's a, it's going to sucks. Maybe it sucks now. Maybe. I mean, because... I get it with like, it's a little, it's a little, like I, I am concerned about the recruiting area which is the yeah. next thing i right? wanted to hit and like yeah. and that's i that is the that's the side of the complaints or the side of like the the concerns from fans that like i do agree with where it's like we can't like we kind of need to make the tournament this year just out of necessity when it comes to recruiting in my opinion right like we need to make the tournament to show that villanova is still that high level program that players are going to get to come to and like they're going to develop they're going to grow and they're going to be in those positions that make for really compelling cases when it comes to the NBA draft, like yeah. hands down. It, you're, that's you're right. And like, so that, that is the part where of all of this that I'm like a little unsure about. Yeah. But on the flip side, like as a fan, I'm like, honestly, I'd rather have it be shitty now. And then like, if the payoff is, you know, Two and a half years of good. Yeah, but there's there, good there's no there's no rule that says being shitty now. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, yeah. I know. I'm not if saying Kyle kept it's this cool, train rolling, like, and we were I don't like, know. I'm also like I'm a I'm more of a pessimist than an optimist. I'm like a, I'm a realist. Let's be honest. But like, I don't know. I would rather like get something shitty up front and like. Yes, you know, get you'd rather have your later. expectations managed earlier. Right, I get that. I get that. I, I would take the two years of fun. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I was. I was rooting for the two years of fun. <laughs> just to be clear, but like, I also did think that that I just hate fun. Sorry. Enough juice, enough juice, so to speak, in this program to kind of carry this thing for yeah. a couple of years. Kyle gets on the job training, which we knew he was going to need. Yeah. Right. But like, but like the players there and everything going on, like carries this for a year or two. We have an outside chance of making a big run in this year in particular. And like, okay, program still rolling. Kyle can go out and sell himself as like, you know, the next Hubert Davis type of guy who, you know, got, who got like this, who, who kept the train rolling after the Hall of Famer head coach left. Right. Like, and that was kind of the play, right? Like that was kind of the, that was kind of the, the angle that it was going to, get taken here so like i was i definitely thought that and and look i want to get to this i'm still not jumping off the ship right like and like yeah. so I, I want to i want to i want to sit there and say that because there's a couple things here that are that are, that are changing number one in theory now this could go a very ugly direction even more quickly than we could have ever imagined. But in theory, the January schedule is manageable. That's one. Two, Justin Moore is in contact drills, right? Like, and like, that's like a sirens going off thing because the we distance. With the, yeah, yeah. the distance from 
contact drills in practice to at least being a dressed participant in a game for a game is not long. Like next week. Like it, right. it's like, it's like, like he could play on Wednesday. He could play. He could play on Wednesday. If you were doing full contact drills in practice, he could play. Maybe now, that's for holding him out. Now, is he going to be great? No, but we're going to have to go through that, right? Like yeah. we're going to have to go through more kind of working his way back in. But like, here's the thing. When more is back, back, right? Like the Chris Argidiacono consternation kind of like goes away overnight, right? Like, because Justin goes into the starting lineup. They're still going to play him ahead of Mark and people are still going to be angry. That's going to be the question. And I don't think they should play him ahead of Mark. But I also do think that when you have more, right, like then your then your margin for error so to speak, to allow a guy like a freshman in in Mark and Cam yeah. to like make mistakes is that much bigger, right? Like you have a higher margin of error. You can allow them to miss make mistakes defensively and offensively because there is Justin Moore safety net. Now, granted, we don't know if Justin Moore is going to be 50, 60, 70, 80% of what he was in the past. But as we've said, 70% was the number that we were targeting. 70% of Justin Moore is the best point guard on this team, right? Like, so, so by far, right? So, so if we can get to 70, right? Like the sooner, the better, but if we can get to 70, then we are in some type of business here. Now, the issue is, are we going to run out of time? Now, I want to give the case for optimism because because there's been a lot of pessimism and I feel like I almost have a I, – I feel like it's almost an asset to me that I didn't watch the Marquette game. Like, I really feel like this is an asset to me because, because I'm still working off of – we won five games. We had an eight-point loss against UConn where I thought we looked good. And, and from outside looking in, again, you tell me we lose by two to Marquette. Now, granted, it's at home, but losing by two to Marquette in a vacuum is not like – terrible so so i'm looking at that and saying the five and two that we have been since cam whitmore has been back in this roster and the fact that cam whitmore had a handful of pretty bad games in there right like tells me that this team's floor is actually pretty solid right like and so and so going into getting more back getting whitmore now in the starting lineup etc cetera, etc cetera, that there is actually like a pause for optimism that we could actually go do that now granted is the coaching down the stretching games going to continue to let us down is a narrative that we are going to have to monitor here going forward but i am kind of on the train of like okay look at this schedule coming up right georgetown is bad Right, like now, granted, we have two games versus Georgetown in the next five, and and lose either of them, and you want to see ugly in the fan base. It's going to get get really bad. Yeah, Yeah. but you pick up two. Let's just say you pick up two wins there. You got at DePaul and at Butler. They're they're they have not both of those teams. Neither of those teams skipped one. I know. I'm going to get back to that, but I'm saying that like you get those two, right? So like that is, so I'm saying 11 and seven now, right? That leaves, right? Did I do that math? Right. Yeah. That's the, that's Georgetown, DePaul and Butler. Okay. 11 and seven. 
And then you say, okay, so you got Xavier this upcoming Saturday, big one. They're Which number 18 I'm going to say that's the biggest. That's this the biggest is the game. game. The I yes. think as of like, as of now, yes. And this will beating a. I don't know that we're going to have another shot to get another ranked team. I can't say that, but another ranked team at home will get you at the fin at the fin specifically. This is the chance to get a win versus a Xavier team. That's going to be a top six seed in the tournament, barring the wheels completely falling off. This is the win that like, if we are going to make the tournament, we need to have this on our resume. Marquette was a, I Marquette was a we should have had we should have it on our resume. We don't, it's no longer going to be there. This Xavier game is a need win. Like and we need to win, or if we lose, we need to run the table after that. Like that's just the those are the those are right. the options. Right. So then you have so then you say so so look look to to the point. We if we're sitting on the next podcast or the second the next podcast, whatever the hell, like like and saying we're a nine and seven team, right? Like to me, it's like, okay, we're back in business here, right? Like we're immediately back in business, right? Like, right? Like if I had to trade like a loss for a win, like you trade the Marquette loss for a Xavier win, I would probably make that trade. Yeah. But like, so then, so then, okay, lay that out. Again, I said, I, I said the, the four other games. Then the other two games that you have is at St. John's, which is at MSG, which as far as home courts go is, is a, you can get. is as reasonable of an away game as you're going to have. Yeah. St. John's has not looked good. Now they could get that ship righted, but it could also really fall. The wheels could fall apart, like TBD on that team. But like, but like, then you got Providence at the end of the month at um, oh. home. And all of a sudden Providence looks like Providence again, yeah. like Cooley's got these guys rolling. Right. So like, Basically, in January, your options are, so I said the four games versus the quote-unquote easy competition, add St. John's into that. That would put us at 12 and 7. And then you have Xavier and and things. You could get to 14 and 7 if you run the table in this month. So we have seven games this month. You get to 14 and 7 if you run the table. At 14 and 7, this team is going to make the tournament, right? Like, so, but, but you figure a loss somewhere in there, right? Like, and, but, but you kind of need to go perfect with one loss, right? Like you have to get to six and one, you have to get to six and one this month. That's how it has to happen because, because Creighton's starting to figure things out. We see them twice in February. We got Yukon looming at the end of the season. You got the game at the amp, which is the, the dunk, right? Like in, in February, you have two Seton Hall games, which are not great, but like still, you have Butler again, DePaul again. So there is a couple winnable games in there. But like the February schedule is like, and oh, at Marquette, right? Like, so like, and at Xavier. So like the February schedule is hard as fuck, right? So like, we need to find a way to get to six and one this month. It has to be six and like six and one has to be 13 and eight at the end of this month is reasonable. And it's a reasonable expectation given the comp- the level of competition that we have. Willie, you seem to be like, no, we need to go seven and zero. But I'm, I, I, but I really do think that six and one is 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 like, I, I, I say that because I like I said the run the table comment, and like I, I don't mean that, but I just like look think about building the resume and le- short of like we can't there's can't lose games like Georgetown. We lose to Georgetown and. 
I myself will take care of this team. We're just, the season's over. I'll make sure of it. <laughs> I will go down there and write a strongly worked letter. Um, we The DePaul Butler, like Butler's always going to be tough at Henkel. That's just what it's going to be. But we got to come out of there. DePaul, you got to come out of there. I look at the resume games we have left. It's Xavier at home, Providence at home. Marquette away, Creighton away. And then we finish with... Right. Creighton at home would still – I'm thinking Creighton at home will be a resume game. When it will, also it'll does. still get there. I'm just going in order. Um, and then Providence away, Xavier away. And, like, I'm counting Providence away as a loss. I'm counting Xavier away as a loss. Like, we – it's – if the way – I guess the way I think about it is if we don't win this game at home versus Xavier, we have to go on the road and get a win versus either Providence, Xavier, or Creighton. Right. Or Marquette, yeah. Or Marquette, which we never win at Marquette. That just doesn't happen. Like, I think right. the 2018 team did it, and, like, maybe one other. That's always a tough place for us to win. The the, amp, the level of importance those games gets, it's already going to be amplified. It's going to be, like, 10x if yeah. we don't win at home versus Xavier. If we can't protect my, the Finn. I guess my, my, my one point there is we've made the Justin Moore point. He's in contact drills in December, right? Like, so my point is that by February, I think it's reasonable that by February, he's, he's, we're getting close to the best version of Justin Moore that we're going to see for the season, right? Like, so that's kind of like what's playing in the back of my head is and that that changes a lot of things. It for this does, team. but it's also like to the point of my, my entire point is like every mistake is amplified to where like, I, let's say just, let's say Justin isn't back till after Xavier. Then it's like, oh, well, we lost that game, but now Justin's back. But now we're eight and eight, and now we're still without Justin. It's just, it's the level of, like, we can't depend on Justin being back. We know he's going to, well, we assume he's going to come back, and he's going to be at 70 to 85%, and we're going to be able to start rolling. But, like, what if that first game back, it's just still a little bit weird, and it's not normal, and then we get clipped at Butler. It's like these are the stuff, the games where it's like we yeah. need to get the resume wins before it happens or before Justin's there. Because as of right now, our resume is a like decent Oklahoma win and a bunch of like crap losses. Like yeah. that's just what it is. Agreed. Agreed. We don't have a, we do not have a, we, we don't have a resume right yeah, now. It, we, don't have a, we don't have a resume. Like it is a, it is like at the end of the UConn or St. John DM and the UConn game too, because of the way we looked. Like analytically, we were starting to creep onto the very back end of like bubble out, right? Like very back end of it. Yeah. We were starting to creep out. I saw like Lunardi posted like deep, like he was going like 12, 13 teams deep and was saying like, oh, there's Villanova there at like spot 90, right? Yeah. Like, so like, yeah, it's, 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 it, we were a deep bubble, but like we were getting there. The Marquette game is obviously a setback, but again, metrics wise and all the things that build thing like it's not a devastating loss it's just it's just it could have been a stamp win that gives us a margin of error later i get all of that right like like but man i do think that we can beat the savior team at home i like and i mean that because because we have looked decent in a lot of these games so like, so like that gets to my next point is the the positive spin i have is in our last since honestly since camp came back but excluding oklahoma we have our defensive efficiency has gotten better like on if we're looking at a scale it's gone 
it's gone up in the way that it's gone down. Like we're becoming more efficient defensively. Um, we had our best defensive game of the year versus St. John's versus Connecticut. We had a really good defensive game. Like we are getting better and better defensively. If, if you look at like a Ken, a Ken Palm or uh, T rank, it's like we have an adjusted adjusted efficiency, defensive efficiency of like over 100, which for all intents and purposes translates to we were get, let, letting up more than a point per possession. But for all intents and purposes, that's what it means. We're now in the 90s. You are St. Johnson in the 80s. We held UConn to the 92. Like we're getting better defensively. Somehow offensively, we're still still clicking despite looking like weird, weird on offense. So it's trending in the right way, like you're saying. It's just we can keep trending analytically, but if we don't get the if we don't walk out with the resume, it's Got not it. gonna matter. It, it yeah. has to. I agree wholeheartedly, have have to agree. But like because every every other time that it happens that like that like we have another loss, another lump, and whatever is that much more that we got to be fucking awesome when more comes back, right? Like to like to like convince the committee that hey, this is a different team. You know what I mean? Like so, I I, I am or win the Big East tournament. <laughs> yeah, well, that's or win always, the Big East. That's always the path. That's always the path is to win the Big East tournament. Is always out there. It's always um, Plan B. But that's not what we should uh, expect. I still am of the opinion that we should expect an NCAA tournament run. So our NCAA tournament birth at the very least. So I agree look, with that. Look, I think the answer is six and one in, in January. I still think that that provides enough of a margin for error. And still there's enough opportunities on the docket in February and early March and in the Big East tournament to do enough to get the resume there. But like you start looking at five and two and it's like, and it's like fucking hey, 12 and nine. Like that's such a path because you got to get to like 1920 wins. And it's just like, they're just running out of daylight. So like, so I am of the opinion that six and one has to be the bare minimum. You tell me at the end of the month that we're 13 and eight, that means that we probably beat, I don't know, one of Xavier and Providence who are probably both going to make the tournament and didn't lose a game that we should have won, right? And like, that might be enough to put us into a position where, okay, now we can start rolling in a very difficult schedule, but with a much better team given that. Now, some people have just said like, oh, Justin Moore, like it's just one player, right? Like, like, and yeah, he's Justin more, but you don't know how good he is. You don't know how good he's going to be, whatever. It, Villanova point guard, like, like, like the, the ripple effect guard, is like, huge. The ripple effect even is in, dramatic. And even Kyle said, like, I think Kyle said this in a press conference too, when he was like asked about more, he's like, we've incorporated him into our game prep. And like, that's why you're seeing a better, like at least defensive set. Like that's why you're seeing like, yeah. And and even Caleb, I think Caleb was quoted as saying, like, he looks like he's like 20 pounds stronger than he was. Like, granted, I don't know if that's just Caleb like hyping up his boy, whatever. But, you know, the like the confidence and the pain points that it alleviates on this team goes a lot farther, right? It allevi like like to your point, right? We don't have to be starting Chris Archidiakina. We that issue goes away overnight. It also, to an extent, probably quiets the fan base a little bit, gets everybody to like chill the heck out. And that's like, these guys are on social media, whether or not they should be is a different question, but they are, and they see it, 
right? Like they see, and Kyle, I'm sure is probably, I mean, I'm sure not caring because he's collecting a nice paycheck, but like, I think he, you know, when you quiet the fan base a little bit and have a second to like center yourself and like really like be with your team, like it makes a difference. Like it just makes a difference in your mentality and you're not hearing negative things about yourself every single day of the, like the year, like it makes a difference. And so Justin coming back will be a huge boon. Um, I like, I agree with Willie too, where every, every game we lose now puts more pressure on us late in the season when our schedule is harder and I agree with to the end so by logic I also agree with Chris's point like we need to win in January like January needs to be a very strong month um with or without Justin Moore like we got to figure it out like we can't bank on him coming back at all and we can't bank on him saving the day either um because that's a lot to ask of one guy but it does, it would, if when he does come back, it will alleviate, alleviate a lot of those issues that seem to plague our team right now. Yeah. Um, and I also am just personally excited to see like a Justin Moore, Kim Whitmore, like Mark Armstrong. Like, how do you not get excited just like thinking about that? Like, I don't know. I'm like, that's just like, that just seems to me it's going to be Eric Dixon, like our big man. Come on. That's going to be an awesome thing to watch. It should be a lot of fun. Hopefully, emphasis on should. Should is hopefully hopefully we're in a position to actually enjoy it. But like you know, like I'm thinking about that. I'm like, that's an awesome team. You know what I mean? So 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 I agree. I I think we've said. I think we've said enough here. Look, I'm 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 saying the cause for optimism. I also can understand the pessimism. Right? Like at the same time, like again, I go back to pre-Oklahoma, post-Oregon, like you told me five and two was the, was the result there. And I probably would have said, yes, I'm up. So, so I'm trying to look at the bigger picture and saying, okay, obviously the non-con and the November and December were a disaster on a number of respects, but given where we got to, when we entered December, getting to seven and seven by the end of the month was kind of like the good enough kind of in that good enough category. I probably thought that we would have lost Oklahoma and beaten Marquette, but whatever, like, like, you know, you got to the seven and seven numbers. So we got this team back to 500 after the the fucking terrible start that we had. So I'm kind of of the like, okay, let's try and reset because, because to the point here, the negativity, right? Like, and I'm not saying that the fans are, causing losses or anything like that like the game is 94 by 50 right like it's not us but like but like the negativity like permeates right like it's kind of a thing so like yeah. so like let's just take it for what it is seven and seven like let's new year new year's resolution like go be six and one in january right like right like that's got to be the goal here so like get get your get, get mentally right have a good shooting performance versus a crap team in georgetown and like start to feel yourself a little bit because like then then we can get going right and like get into it because you got to get you have a ranked game there's a team that just beat UConn so like like the opportunity is right there right now and after that effort you have a little bit of a reprieve in because you get to Paul Butler Georgetown back to back to back right like you have an opportunity there like we have to go away we have to find a way to take advantage of that opportunity. Six and one is the goal in this month. 
Listen, if Rutgers can beat Purdue, which just happened. They did yeah. win. They did win. Sixty, I think 65-64. I was checking that and then also. Purdue so, hates being number one playing Rutgers. <laughs> if, if Rutgers can beat Purdue, we can beat Xavier. Dare I say, we may even be able to beat UConn if we are at full strength and firing on all cylinders. I agree. So I, I like that. Now, awards. Yes. Um, I don't have a lot, but I but I think we got to go back to Maddie Segrist. Right? Like, she's, yeah, she's definitely. <laughs> let's go, baby. <laughs> Sorry, even my dog is excited. <laughs> um, Maddie Segrist passed Scotty Reynolds uh, at, in terms of all time Villanova leading scores, and now only trails um, Kerry Kittles and Shelly Pennefather. Um, for the uh, all-time Villanova scoring title. And I think she's averaging something like 28 or 29. 28. 28 points a game, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> um, you know, uh, interestingly, she, I don't hear her name being called as like player of the year type shit yet. But I feel like you keep putting up 28 points a game and yes. you kind of have to at some point. But I do feel like the women's game like revolves around these big name players like Caitlin Clark at Iowa or whatever. Ozzy Fudd at UConn. Yeah, Ozzy yeah. Fudd at UConn. Angel or if it wasn't Reese her, it would have been yeah. – Yeah, or mm. it would have been Paige. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you got these big names in the women's sport. And I feel like Maddie kind of just Villanova is not as big of a program on the women's side. So like, you don't hear. That's exactly name. what it is. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Like, but like, but like so at some point, at some point, if she shoots us 28 to 30 points a game into the NCAA tournament, yeah. like she's got to be on the list. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm actually, I like have no idea like what her plans are. I like am intrigued as to whether or not she's like interested in going to the WNBA. Like she's on all. WNBA draft boards. Like there's interest in her. But she, um, I mean, that would be skilled. awesome. She's I would love skilled, to go yeah. like, but I want a Maddie Segrist jersey, wherever, whatever team she ends up on. Like completely. Yeah. I want I'm a Maddie Segrist jersey. I'd buy one immediately. Um, I will say, so we all know that. Maddie Segrist is alpha dog of the year. It's already been decided. Sorry. Um, but there were in the first half, there were two absolutely sick plays by our freshmen. Uh, Cam had like a, it was Cam, right? He had like a good, he had like a huge slam dunk in like the first, yeah, I mean, first we half. Made- we were dunking the ball a lot, which was okay. We dunked the ball a lot. And that's why I was excited. I was like, cool, we're running. We're yeah. like getting out in transition, like going back to everything we said earlier. So Cam had that one. And then literally like not that many possessions later, Mark is like, okay, this is a dunk contest now. And he goes up and does something ridiculous. Yeah. And so I like, it's kind of a toss up for me. I feel like I want to give it to Mark. Cause I feel like, you know, Cam's going to get plenty of chances, but like for us, like, I know Mark is strong and athletic, but he's like still kind of like skinny. But yeah. like for a skinny guy, he is like very athletic. And so I was just I saw that, and I think that was like maybe one of the first times I've seen him really explode. And like I just loved it. I was like, more of that, please. So yeah. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give it to Mark. My player. So Mark had two. One was a fast break dunk where he like went up, but the big one for me was in the second half where he drove baseline, a person contested him. And it wasn't a reverse dunk, but he kind of just dunked from underneath the basket. Yeah, he like kind of like snuck, like he snuck in and was like, whoop, 
And it was very casual, but it's like actually a really high degree yes. of difficulty play that he just did. Um, so that would be mine. Cam's dunks were thunderous, but they were both like fed off of from people. And then he just like rose up because he's Cam. Mark, no, Mark was, really exploded in creating yeah. himself. So, so like, I, I would give those, like those would be the Shaq fit play, yeah. play games. Just um, Mark for sure. And then like Alpha, I mean, Alpha Dog. I don't know. It's definitely it's definitely Maddie. I mean, that's just what it is. Uh, Maddie's alpha dog until someone unseats her, in my personal opinion. I mean, well, then, Maddie had I mean, Maddie had thirty five on yesterday. So, I know. Like, she also interestingly is now like she she's in like top five, I think rebounders as well. Like she oh really she had like I saw a stat on the Villanova women's basketball Twitter like I think or she has like nine hundred rebounds on her career. She's like the only like the fifth person in Villanova basketball history to like have 900 rebounds so she just like feels she's she's a walking stat sheet it's incredible she i mean she leads the country in scoring and is yeah very close to 50 40 90 yeah she's it's it's insane it's crazy it's absolutely outrageous crazy all right um i think we've covered enough um i didn't we didn't do a full-throated xavier preview but i feel like georgetown we didn't talk i'm primo spears Pretty much <laughs> like, good. Brandon Murray, if we lose, I'm gonna if you want to go to a Villanova game, probably the ticket and the travel to get to a, the Georgetown game will, will cost you less than going to something at the Wells Fargo Center. Oh, completely. So yeah. oh, highly I, recommend. I want to play a game right here. What is it? What are, what's a Villanova Georgetown ticket going for on SeatGeek right now? Two dollars. I, I I you know, you have to be able to get in the door for any for get in the door price. Yeah. Okay, not including fees. Uh, Seat Geek does the Seat Geek do it? Um, yeah, let's say non-coon fees. I can get that. Like, like it's got to be like a dollar or two. It can't be higher because it's it's not a sellout. There's no way it's sellout. Mm, yeah. What is it like? Fifteen bucks? No, they're, they're price gouging. I'm seeing thirty-four at lowest, including thirteen dollars in fees, so twenty-one. All right, so I was right with my first twenty bucks. I still think that that's crazy. Yeah. By the I, time that by the time the game tips off, it's going to be free. <laughs> They will be paying you to put your butts in those seats. Yeah. Um, With the NIL money, Georgetown thinks is a crisis. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then in terms of Xavier, I really do want to get a podcast with the, one of the Xavier guys. Um, but it, it's a lot of the same team from last year, um, but they have Saleh Boom, who is just an unbelievable Really player. fun. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. They play so fast, and they are very good offensively. So that's going to be the challenge for us there. But I think, I think the game plan that we would hatch for them is to really slow the game down, which might be the way to beat them. Um, so I am like Cincinnati played to slow them down, and they should. I mean, Xavier still should have run away with that game. Cincinnati's not very good. But Cincinnati stayed in that game because they limited possessions. And I feel like that's kind of going to be the name of the game when we play them at the fin. I think it's hilarious. I don't disagree with you at all. I just think it's hilarious that our number one move is like, how do we stop? How do we stop them? We're going to slow this game down. And it's just like, that's our move. It doesn't matter who it is. And it's like, it's not like, oh, let's speed up. It's like, no, we're slowing this down. Which Yes. Yes. Chris Archidiakono will dribble for 20 seconds. (laughs) And that will suck the life out of the game. And give us a chance to win. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's how we do it. <laughs> um, and we made a final four doing that last year. So thank you, Ben, to your, our will. So, yeah. All right. Um, but look, 
stay tuned for us to ha- potentially have a second podcast at the back end of this week. All right. I'm, I'm good. If you guys are good. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, so that's it. Thanks for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. <laughs>